You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. My guest is Annabelle Gurich. She's the author of You're Leaving When? Adventures in, a, in Downward Mobility. Our f- last online free creative writing workshop through the Los Angeles Public Library is on August 10th. <laughs> Go to lapl.org to register or email me, duchene at gmail.com, for the Zoom link. Starting in September, we're back in person the second Wednesday of every month at the Los Feliz Library. And you don't have to register, you just show up. And that's so much fun. And now, Annabelle and I chat how to measure audio levels of your vibrator, the writing community of Los Angeles. Getting fired on a Woody Allen production, doing merch table for a touring metal band in Europe, and responding to bad reviewers who are wrong. Hi, I'm Annabelle Gerwich, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have uh, Annabelle Gurich. She's the author of You're Leaving When? Adventures in Downward Mobility. Annabelle, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I, I so appreciate your putting the right intonation or the intonation I hear in my head on You're Leaving When? It, <laughs> it's, you know, it's like if you say it too dry, you're leaving when. No, it has to have a little bit of maybe I don't want to say like Yiddish or Jewish kind of like, cause it can be any, it could be, it could be exasperation of like, you're leaving when, or it uh-huh. could be actually, it could be sad. Like you're leaving when so, but it's meant to be like an emotional expression. So anyway, I just appreciate Tony that you like put some heft into it. Thank you. That I emoted. You emoted, yes, yes. So, and and that in the you're leaving when is in reference yes. to being a coming an empty nester. Is that correct? Well, in my case, it's the house that never emptied, the never, the never empty nest, <laughs> which is why also it's an exasperation of you're leaving when <laughs> you're <laughs> because, leaving, pl- you're leaving, please was the other title. <laughs> yes, well, the you know, this, uh. Um, this, the title was really inspired by uh, my mom, who was a needle pointer, as many people were in her generation. She made little, uh, uh, well, she made like little signs she'd hang on a door. And um, the sign on my door, which was just expressed like our relationship, mine said, please do not disturb. And she made one for my sister that said, come on in. But (laughs) she retired those. When we went off to college, we would come home and there was a new one on our door and it would say, you're leaving Sunday. (laughs) So, you know, I just always uh, kept that in my mind. And when I found myself in my downward mobility like I always say like I was the first person in America to go broke in the last few years like I was ahead of the trend (laughs) I was like leading the middle class down Um, (laughs) but when I started renting out rooms in my home to help pay my mortgage and 
I became, as, as you describe in this book, you know, a landlady. In my mind, it was like I was going to be wearing a blousy house dress and like smoking a cigarette and having a slippers on and serving coffee and big pots of oatmeal right. for breakfast. No but sex I, after 9 p.m. No, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Unless it's with me. But, <laughs> but you know, uh, but, but that that didn't happen. But uh, but you know, I <laughs> that's I, book too. Yeah, yeah. Bow, wow. <laughs> oh, you know, that sound is just says porn. There's nothing says porn like boom, but uh so but that but that you know that that phrase of like you're leaving when occurred to me very quickly when with my first tenant who I describe in that, in the story, Red Flags as the flambéed, um, I had a flambéed, what did I say? Uh, what, uh, he's, uh, he's a frog, a frog a, because he was French. And he turned my house into basically like a weed dispensary, you know, which is, you know, there, there aren't there enough of them already. I, and but, now, and that, yeah, know. now it's just like chess king at the mall. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. But it did lead to actually not a porn, but the, but these kind of weird things that you do when you're, you know, I don't have a guest house, right? So there, that person has to stay in my house. And so like, there was this like time before, right before they moved in, I had to like, think of all the angles that you think about, which are yeah. like, say, could he hear my vibrator from his bedroom? So <laughs> I was like putting it on in my bedroom, running downstairs to say like, you know, I just like, I can't, this is my life. What? What it is comes in, There's all this me? like soundproofing, like it's an audio, <laughs> like it's an audio recording studio and it's all just for your vibrator. Yes. Well, you know, soundproofing for the important stuff. I'm actually sitting, we're talking right now. I'm sitting in the guest bedroom, which um, will be inhabited in a couple short weeks by um, a, a, a film professor in from Sardinia, who is my most recent tenant. I have had like everyone in Los Angeles has the keys to my house now. Tony, I'm surprised you haven't come and stay. You know, it's just it's just so funny. It's uh, I'm there on Thursday. I forgot to tell you. Okay, yeah. once I opened the once I opened the door, it's just been a parade of people's children or someone I know's niece. There was Joey Soloway's niece. I had, you know, it's just just so funny. It's just been a, a parade of people. Through my home. And then in, in the book, I write about housing two young people experiencing homelessness. And that was that was really a profound experience when the trap rappers came to stay for a month at my house. They really changed, they really changed the way I I I saw um, what was happening in this country and who was becoming unhoused and how not that I I I feel like I was totally unaware, but just how fine the line between housed and unhoused, which is getting closer and closer for so many people, uh, was really brought home to me, you know, uh, through that experience that I hope people will read about in the paperback that's just out now. I just can't even say it anymore. (laughs) No, I I get it because that, yeah, you know, I moved to LA about uh, eight years ago. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a rent control studio in East Hollywood and, mm-hmm. um, and I'm kind of stuck cause the rent's so great, but there, right. there was, right. uh, there was about a year there where I had to have a roommate in my studio to, in order to pay the rent. And yes. there was someone, you know, it's, it's, uh, so yeah, that's being all, being all up in each other's business in a really quick way. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the thing is it's just increased so much exponentially because of the gig economy. I mean, yeah. this has just, which is essentially, I mean, as writers, we've been in the gig economy for our, all our lives. We have been in the gig economy, but that has also changed too. And I mean, gotten even more, di- the, 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 the difference between the, the high and the low, the middle has really fallen out of yeah. most of the economies and i mean it's just for people starting out i think it's just so hard i mean i particularly am writing about my experience with you know youth experiencing homelessness sharing my home with them um but just starting out is so hard and i think one of the reasons you know i wrote about it and i wanted to tell my story as the person you know sharing my home with them was to really, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't mean, I, I've got a notification thing on that I don't usually have on and it's really annoying. Um, it's so, not a fire alarm, is it? I sure hope not. Um, but oh, I have I, a pest notification yeah. on. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> As I, I see re- smoke coming in from your mind. Here. <laughs> That's like my worst nightmare. Um, but I mean, it's everyone's worst nightmare, right? And also in California, the whole state's on fire. But yeah. uh, I, uh, which by the way, you have to read if you haven't, I know you just interviewed Lishka Jacobs and I just reviewed her book for Alta. It's just one of my favorite reads of this summer. So I'm going to use my time to plug her book. I mean, why not people support the community? Um, but just, you know, just to, to really, just to say that I, I really wanted to write about contrasting my downward mobility with their downward mobility and actually they're they're doing so well now that um, my former house guests, but um, that was it was just important to me to give a portrait really of what's using my own life as an example. I'm um, you know of 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 what's happened in the in the middle class in America and you know I just you know I was talking about my mother and the samplers she made and I was just thinking today about you know, what we would be talking about and just thinking about what you and I would be talking about. Yeah. Well, just thinking, Oh, just thinking about, Oh, I'm going to be, you know, doing the zoom today with Tony and just thinking about, you know, why, why I wrote this book and, and um, how I really wanted to add my voice to the idea of um, making talking about your personal economics, your finances, less taboo. I'm always interested in with the taboo subjects. I mean, I write in this book about the, the, the climate of my vagina being like the Sahara, you know, and my attempts to lubricate, you know, lubricate my, you know, like, how do you, there's oasis, there's oasis is in the Sahara. So you're good. That is true. But I mean, I I just always want to write about that is my goal is always to challenge that idea of what, what you can write about what is what and what can be also funny and 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 yeah. uh disarming and um that's 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 always been my interest and luckily there are 
just so many indignities in life. They just keep coming. So and every, and it's great is to write about. Yeah. And it's a commonality because it's it, the stuff that we feel ashamed about. If we talk, if we talk about it in our writing or we just talk about it, all of a sudden that shame goes away because other people go, Oh my God, the same thing happened to me. And then it's just, yes, and, then, yeah. and then it just opens up like empathy for the human collective, you know? <laughs> yes. Like, yes. And I mean, I, I'll never get over, I think about all the time, you know, as I, I'm not the only writer. I think so many of us sit in our, sit in front of our desk or stand or pace or whatever we're doing. Um, and we think about Catherine Mansfield, the idea of Catherine, what Catherine Mansfield said, from my life, I write to you in your life. And, you know, that idea of bridging the gap between people um, that's always my, my goal and doing that through hopefully disarming humor, hopefully, oh, you know, that's, that's, and, and, See, and that feels like a lot of pressure on a, on, on early drafts. I could never have that pressure early drafts. I have to just entertain myself and have fun. And, the, and even in the darkest moments, and then maybe later on, think about, oh, yeah, this is going to be uh, part of the conversation once it gets on a shelf. Well, I mean, that's the thought process, which leads you to like, oh, my God, do I have anything to offer on this subject? It's a terrible pressure. But yeah. I do. But then that then you have to try to I mean, I think that that intention is a good intention. And then you put that aside and then you write all kinds of crap. Yep. And then you and then you throw then you go like. Well, this looks like someone's journal. Yeah. I, whenever I teach uh, writing, which I do sometimes, I always say like, I, I'll look at some of my work and I'll say, well, that's a police report. Just the facts, ma'am. This happened, yeah. this happened, and this happened. Well, that's not interesting. And then I'll do, okay, well, that's a travel guide. I went to blah, blah. I went to blah, blah. That's, you know, someone else can write that. And then there's the journal I feel blue, lonely. You know, I mean, that's just the feelings. All the feels are my private journals that I hope will be burned, or I should actually be got to keep burning these things so no one ever sees them. Really, I I just I want I want every when I die I want everyone to like go through my journals and go, oh man, I thought he liked me. No, I know you're kidding, right? Um, but that is so terrifying to me because the truth is, I I have journals since I was a kid. Like no way, do when, yes. When did, oh, see, I I don't. Uh, when, oh, when, really? Well, I grew up in a weird like religion where we kind of. Uh, what it, was it, the religion? Jehovah's Witness. It was. Oh, uh huh. So uh -huh. it was kind of like being in mental prison. You really couldn't put your thoughts on paper because oh, you could be banished from the community. So oh. it, it, it wasn't until I was in my twenties where I can uh. I actually started putting things on paper, and wow. I still felt like I had no. to hide them. So. Wow! Wow! Uh, That's so interesting. You know, I have these embarrassing. Journal. But it's so cool you kept them. Oh, they're from middle. I had them from middle school, like starting in like really ninth grade. And yeah. They're and yeah. And, and do they have your crushes? And, yes. Uh, oh my god. Uh, Although you've got to publish, uh, I would publish those. I would do it, you know, because you do a podcast. I would do a podcast on that, and I would find the people that I wrote about. 
<laughs> oh my God. Well, I'll tell you something. What's, what's really embarrassing is like, I did one of those shows like risk, or I can't remember like the one where you read your childhood diaries. Or oh, something. right. Yeah. I've heard like about that, yeah. Uh, it was actually hard to find something. I wouldn't want to kill myself it, to read out loud. I mean, just like, uh, it, it was just so embarrassing. Like I, I, I'm an, I love Andrew, he is blue, 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 yeah. long hair that hangs over his sad eyes. Oh, it's 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 only to be matched by my terrible poetry that was actually published in the high school uh, um, poetry uh, zine, but only because I was on the staff. If I hadn't been on the staff, it wouldn't have been published. And it's so terrible. It is just, I mean, no one wrote worse teenage poetry than me. I mean, the, the pot. I think, I, the I think everyone starts with bad teenage poetry. <sighs> I just started with bad teenage poetry in my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> The funny thing is, is my bad pe- teenage poetry has only gotten worse. I, I, I can, I feel, and whenever I try to like actually go to another genre, like uh, I've, you know, poetry. No, uh, I've tried to stretch my brain, and maybe I just haven't tried hard enough to like to YA because I actually, I really like YA. I mm-hmm. like sci-fi, but I feel like everybody does it better than me i don't know that i have anything to offer other than enthusiastic readings of it I, same here i i would love to be like i i read crime and i read mystery and oh, yeah. i just there's something in me that just can't quite write that i just i it doesn't it doesn't i i don't i i what comes out after i'm working and working and working on something isn't that well, yeah, I know. Me too. And then also like I'll, I'll try exercises. And actually, this is one I give to students, uh, which I, I actually really like. And of course, whenever I talk about writing, it's a reminder of like, why aren't you doing that? But it's a really great thing that a writing teacher shared with me. I'm sure many people do this. But if you haven't, uh, when you're if you're writing memoir, you're writing first person essay and you're having trouble seeing an arc of a story. Uh, change the uh, pronouns. So instead of I, change everything to she or he or they, whatever your preferred pronoun is. And then you get a distance. Mm-hmm. And in some ways that is, could be an entree into fiction writing because you're actually, you're turning your character as all characters. I mean, that's the thing. Even memoir is as you remember it, which is probably a certain degree of fiction because all of our, all of our brains uh, remember and focus on narratives that are of our own making. I always thought that was interesting when James Frey was, um, uh, you know, the the hullabaloo over um, a million what is it a million piece, you know, a million, yeah, a million little, a million little pieces. Right. First of all, he was a drug addict. Every drug addict is a writer, is, is a liar. I know I dated drug addicts. We know this. Like, oh, big surprise. He lied. He was like, he was a fabulous. Well, they're off. It's a drug addict. <laughs> and then also it was a memoir. And and then Oprah threw him under the bus. Do you remember that? I, well, he, I do. He didn't even and, know. They didn't yeah. even prep him before that show. She's it's just like 
he thought he was going to get vindicated. And then it's yeah. just like, and now for the ratings. Well, you know, I actually support that. You go on a show and I think that's actually, hey, you make your, I mean, it's sort of like, be careful what you wish for. True. Very true. You know, you want yeah. a New York, you want a New York Times review. It might not be a good one. I mean, right. You, cannot and, and you got to just suck it up i just remember i got a, a documentary i made got a, a, a let's say a less than supportive review in a, in a in a paper in canada and i i actually i'm not i'm not proud to say this i wrote an angry email <laughs> <laughs> so 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 let's go over the timeline on that you read the yeah. review yeah. then how long did it take you to, then when did you say i have to do an email immediately and, which and is then, a bad sign right and then did you hold off on emailing it or did you hit send right away i did what is always a mistake <laughs> i hit send right away and the thing was was i've been in this business for years i mean i had at the time, this was a My Fire documentary, which had started with my being fired by Woody Allen and then led to my looking at the greater issue of the transformation of, actually, I've just always been interested in these issues of, uh, of, of people from an old economy to the gig economy. And I collected stories about being wait, fired. Wait, 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 or- you buried the lead there. You were fired by Woody Allen? Yes, I was fired because basically I sucked in a production he was directing and wrote off Broadway was when oh, I was acting. Wow. Yeah. And um, you know, uh the thing was, of course, who got the last laugh? Everybody that I like hates Woody now, you know, and so it's sort of like, well, you know, I think his being a misanthrope was, you know, I I think I I think I was the first one on that train um still can you you watch his movies now or or how is that for you um i'm not interested in watching his movies now but in my mind i still think hannah and her sisters broadway danny rose and uh annie hall are brilliant i particularly hannah and her sisters i mean i think he's written some of the most brilliant comedies i don't think i ever want to see them again but I, I do, I do respect that work. It's, it, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, but- it's funny. I, I like, cause I love those movies too. And sometimes and it's been a while since I've dated someone new, but like when I'm dating uh-huh. someone new way where you start to go, okay, now we got to Now we got to get these little, <laughs> our little, our little reference points together, you know? And so I'm watching right. something they like, and then, and then um, it, this was uh, my last girlfriend a couple of years ago. And uh-huh. I was like, and I was like, Oh, let's watch. I think we watched, um, what did we do? We may we watched Manhattan, I think, together. Oh. And I I know it it, it it does it does squirm, but it's yeah. still, I still I still love that Meryl Muriel Hemingway is the adult character in the movie. It just okay, I, I, Tony. No, okay, that is the problem. <laughs> that is the problem. Is that he wrote that assigning her the kind of agency a child wouldn't have. That is the most cringy of all the movies. But I rethought, but the thing is, is when I saw it, I didn't think that I wasn't thinking yeah. in that frame and I loved it and I wanted to be her, which is a yeah. whole other story. But the thing about the critic thing about like, be careful what you wish for, you know, I, that was just uh, a, a really not a great moment in my life. And I, I'm embarrassed to say I actually did that. And that, that's so against did the, the did they write you back? Um, 
No, but I just felt like an idiot. I mean, just, you know, I, like, I've I, done those. I've done those too. I'm so I'm, yeah. I've, you get, to, you, especially like, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I was like, what, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. And then you get yeah. enough, like, dude, what, what were you thinking? And it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And particularly like, you know, as a writer, you have to, I mean, as an actor, you do too, but I don't know for some reason I, well, I do know. I mean, I feel, you know, a greater ownership of my work as a writer, you know, as an actor, yeah. you can always, unless someone says, I just hate her face and everything that comes out of it, you know, but, yeah. but, but I mean, you know, you can always say, Oh, it was the script or something like that. But uh, you know, the writing is like an ownership of my work. And I mean, there's nothing more humbling than reading through the Goodreads reviews, people <laughs> on Goodreads, man. I don't know what they're mainlining, but it seems like bile, but you know what? And then <laughs> it's, it's, but it's hard to argue with any community. First of all, I'm going to say argue, like to say that it's not a good thing. I don't mean I'm going to like argue with individual people, but like, you know, just any community of readers, as much as those, sometimes the good read readers are so tough. I, uh, I love any community that's organized around reading because, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the greatest thing uh, that, that we, that we, uh, one of the great achievements of our species, along with the croissant, I mean, you know, it's hard <laughs> to say which is better. I just came back. I went on this crazy trip with my boyfriend who manages bands. And I went and worked as the merch girl on with, for a heavy metal band. Oh, can and, you say what band or no? Uh, yeah, Dead Poet Society huh. uh, on this, their inaugural tour around Europe, they're 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 a you know kind of fledgling band they're great cool. they're really and you were great. doing merch how many cities was it uh it was uh, six cities in seven days in, oh, in a yeah. van in a van with six guys and smelly me. dudes smelly dude it was <laughs> uh but it was it was uh but so i was in paris and oh. i just you know basically all you want to do there i mean for me i i i've been fortunate enough to be there on a more touristy trip on this trip my only goal was to sell merch and eat as much bread as humanly possible yeah. including croissant because you know that's just uh you know butter and flour i mean hello and then when you got is... to the netherlands you're like where's the fiber <laughs> yeah oh i we went to the netherlands and and basically i just ate bread there too because it was just okay. i just basically ate bread throughout yeah throughout throughout europe but um but i, I do have this you know um, what a great girlfriend you are I mean, that's really cool. That's that's essentially what like everyone wants in a relationship is not only like someone that goes, hey, great job, but who's going to go do merch? Yeah, I'm never doing it again. But it was a really, really fun week. It was a one time <laughs> thing. You know, it was super fun. But I, I don't think I I don't think I need to do that again. But yeah. I really did. I had fun. Actually, it was it was just tremendously fun to not be me 
for mm -hmm. an entire week. I, I just was there to help the band and help my boyfriend. And, and, and I, and I really loved it. Actually, it's a great tonic for, I think also for a writer or a performer where so much of your, your, your brain and your everyday life is focused on you promotion of your work or production of your work and you know your your brain it's like a, a horse with those blinders on like you just you're just so mono focused and to be of service to others and to be the support staff it was yeah really really fun and i i had a great time but i, I used to write i used to write music for the chronicle oh. and, um, and i also used to work the door at a club in san francisco oh. called the hemlock oh. i and um <laughs> and some of the bands i would write about they i would i would actually be help you know breaking getting there early so they can oh. load in and then yeah. um and then paying them out at the end of the night. But I would never tell them who I was, which is the guy who wrote the article about them because they never saw what I looked like. That's and I, so I kind of got to see how they treated people. Um, and, you know, most were kind and a couple were just kind of like, you know, uh, row, but it's just uh, it's interesting just to just for it was I almost yes. felt like a spy because it's just like yes. we've been on the phone together we had interviews I created this profile for you but you have no idea who I am and I'm like here's your drink tickets and at the end of the night we got to close out here blah blah that's blah. that's so like, funny I well, got you to know, play yeah the you know that with the guys in the band what was actually really fun for me was that I got a, this total vacation from myself and what was great, what was, I didn't even have to tell them that's what I was looking for because they're 27 years old. So they didn't ask me anything about me. <laughs> what did right, they notice right. me? Like, it was just, it was, it was really fun for that reason in a totally sort of seamless, natural way. And that is the sort of thing about uh, being a writer that, you know, uh, you're just so happy and fortunate. And I just, you know, this, this latest book you're leaving when this is my fifth book. And, you know, we just, I you just, the first, the, the hardcover came out during COVID and, um, you know, it, that was really hard um, because obviously everything was shut down. Events were getting canceled left and right. Appearances were all canceled. Um, I was really fortunate to get, you know, good reviews and all this stuff. But, you know, uh, since the paperback came out, I've done actually a lot more events than I normally would because I missed it for the first one. And, you know, you can, you can get a little tired and, and, and you feel, this sense of like, oh my God, I, I, I'm tired of talking about me. At the same time, I think something that happened during COVID for all of us in so many different ways is like, if, if you know, I don't care how many people show up in an event anymore. Yeah. I, mean, I never, I never really did, but of course I do. But I, but now it's just like this profound when it was completely taken away you know, if there's a few people, I mean, I just cry. It just, you, you're just that feeling of uh, newness of like yeah. appreciation. And so um, I, we just realize what a blessing it is to 
be invited to sit somewhere and have people care about what we do. It's like, well, to be in that, in that community of people talking and, and living books, you know, yeah. as, as a part of their, like their food pyramid, you know, um, the first book festival I did from after COVID was the Miami book festival, which I always love. And I always, there's something about also being away from your hometown. I love the Los Angeles Times Book Festival. I mean, it is like the jewel, right? I mean, yeah. to sit in the green room is just so much fun. There is and just to, it's like the and that's the place. And that really sucked during COVID because that was the place where mm. there there are like you know a ton of authors I see once a year, yeah. and it's only yes. because of that. Yeah. Yes. And then in Miami, what was, what's always fun is you're, you're away. So you're a little bit, you're a little bit in a liminal space. And I always uh, meet someone there who uh, you, uh, somehow, I don't know, there's something about when you're away, but I think too, but like one year I was doing an event there with Jenny Allen, the humorist, and we became dear friends. And, and that was just so special. And this year, uh, when I did the Miami book festival, I asked them, they asked me who I wanted to moderate the talk. And I got to invite someone who I had just done a couple of events online with who I just adore. And she writes in a different genre. And that's something I really love doing, uh, is Jean Corlitz. And I loved her book, The Plot, I her latest book. And actually oh, yeah, she's got yeah. another one. Uh, uh, I, she's such a great writer. And I love the pairing of uh, like fiction and nonfiction. I always think like, why do you want to put two books that are so like similar together? Very often, mostly you're like all the memoir and comedy writers together. I love the contrast. Mm -hmm. And when we did our appearance together, it was the first time we'd actually met in person. We since become more friendly even um you know we had such a good time because fiction and non-fiction and and that kind of thriller writing versus the kind of um chronicle of of life that i do and uh, social criticism there's a lot of overlaps but it's a different process and i just thought it was so much fun and actually we we had this crazy adventure in miami together there's something called the booze and books club in miami cannot go wrong in my book <laughs> it sounds and good they had invited us. They said, oh, we're all reading your book. They had done an event for Jean and she had connected me to them. They said, we're, we're inviting you for a drink at the Four Seasons after your reading. I'm like, I'm there. We're there. Jean and yeah. I show up and they have rented a private dining room and the chef at the Four Seasons prepared dishes inspired. And I'm going to send you, uh, I, I don't, let me see if I have it here. I have, I, um, they, they created dishes inspired by the, uh, things in my book. No okay, way. I'm, I'm going to tell you some things they made. It was yeah. so much fun. Okay. Jean-Luc, who was my French tenant, Jean-Luc's pork fat washed old fashioned. That was a uh, bourbon with pork fat washed barrel aged maple syrup, uh, Canadian uh, can candied bacon, candied Canadian bacon. Now, OK, so how did that taste? Fabulous. Really? It's bourbon. Yeah. It's bacon. It's chocolate. 
I mean, interesting. They fused that together, and, am- it, and it, huh. amazing, amazing. Yeah. And then they had um, uh, a grilled lamb kebab, and I can't remember what that was in. Uh, oh my goodness. Oh, they had a Thelma's bakery snickerdoodles, which I mentioned in my book, they had them flown in from, from, uh, from um, Des Moines, where I did where I was writing about them. They had uh, lavender oil stratticella, which is a ice cream that I made up as being like an ice cream people eat in, you know, very, very uh, trendy Brooklyn. And they had someone make it by wow. made up ice cream. And so like people like Jean-Luc and these other tenants, yes. have they read the book? Do they know they're in the book? Well, Jean-Luc, I know it won't surprise you, isn't actually his name. Um, right. And I don't know. It's Jean-Luc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> know if he is aware of that you know people are living their own lives yeah. uh, i mean other people are aware and my you know i mean my sister appears in every single one of my books and yeah. the thing is i mean she just gives me so material when i'm writing this book about being newly single after my divorce how, how am I going to make up the fact that my sister thinks I'm not going to try hard enough with lingerie and signs me up <laughs> for the lingerie box and panties and bras are being <laughs> delivered to my doorstep every week. Cause my sister is sure I'm going to wear old underwear on dates. I mean, <laughs> but, then, but then the indignity of it all, because when the, when the, uh, when the, when the survey came from the, the lingerie box asking me what kind of lingerie was my style so they could send me the right thing. I mean, how would I know that spinster wasn't a style? I was like, well, no. I, I mean, I have a counterpoint there because if I'm, uh-huh. you know, I, I, if, you know, I, I, I have this weird thing. I don't have a weird thing, but like if I feel like I'm going to be, if, if we're coming towards a relationship, then I, then I like, then I want to sleep with them. Right. I kind of wait mm-hmm. a little bit on that, mm-hmm. on that guy. And um, if they're wearing granny panties, that is so cool because that means they weren't expecting it. Thank and I you. like that. Thank you. I, well, I don't, I don't, if I see lingerie, I'm like, really, you were, you were expecting this. If I see big old, like hunky, like just, mm-hmm. I'm like, this this is the real thing. This that well, feels that feels truly intimate. That doesn't what feel about, like it's manufactured. Okay, Tony, what about the intentional granny panty? I mean, I like the oh, unexpected. So yeah. like maybe they when, were intentionally granny panty me. They and that's were. why those relationships didn't work out. <laughs> maybe. I I actually I when I filled tried to fill in, you know, what style I liked, I wrote Miss Haversham and that didn't fly either. They were just like sexy, flirty. I'm like, Miss Haversham, that's my style. That's yeah. the kind of lingerie I want. But uh, but my sister is always in my books and she always holds her breath. <laughs> Yeah, 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 good. She should yeah. because because we're supposed to write dangerously. So it's yeah. you know when she uh, when 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 I tell her I'm writing a new book, uh, she's like, "Oh God, oh, <laughs> oh no, what's what's coming now?" So yes, what well, you st- you started in acting. You've been acting for a while, yeah. I you know this is the improbable career. Um, like so many of us, we've mm-hmm. had many incarnations, and I started out as a a classically trained actress, I thought I would do Shakespearean plays and Jacobean 
tragedies. And my goal, because I really was interested in avant-garde theater, was to work in off-off, nowhere near Broadway theaters in a basement where you had a pretty good chance of sleeping with the majority of the cast. I did that. <laughs> yeah, that I, I achieved that goal, surprisingly, not that yeah. hard to achieve at the time but in the 80s in New York. And then I fell into working in television and then in comedy and television and films by is that what is that what brought you to LA? I had to earn a living. Yes. Yeah. I was like, there's it's really a great way to go broke is to work only in theater. It's a fantastically solid strategy to never make enough money. Um, uh, but I I did, I came out to Los Angeles um and I was pretty quickly after I moved here, after first working as the hostess in a Euro trashy uh, nightclub where people would try to tip me in cocaine and jeans <laughs> fell off the back of a truck. I'm like, I'm just here for the money, people. I'm just keep your drugs and your jeans. I got got it covered. Um, but I, I, my first job was a, a a news satire called Not Necessarily the News on HBO, and I did I remember that, that for two years. That was my first big series after I like I got some of these guest stars on like Murphy Brown, and uh-huh. I, I did a lot of comedy. Just so for some reason, I fell into comedy on television. What happened on the first job I got was Murphy Brown playing her secretary, who was an actress. So on the show, I my character came on in character as Eliza Doolittle. And then I came on as Maggie and the Cat in the Hot Tin Roof. And so I used my theater background in that job. And then I, and people thought it was funny. And then I ended up in comedy. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. I just only know how to be in, tra- you know, tragic plays. But that was a really career. And yeah. I, I've, you know, and then when writing took over my life, I, I don't get to, I I like performing my own work. You can hear me on the moth and other things like that. I I love doing that. Um, but I mostly, you know, I'm writing, but this summer I, uh, during COVID, I mean, last summer during COVID, I, now it's, it came out this year. I acted in Michael Bay's movie Ambulance. Because I know when you think of action movies, you think of Annabelle Gurwich. Yeah. <laughs> but I play an FBI agent's um, psychotherapist, of course. Um, but it was actually just so much fun to be on a set because it's yeah. a collaborative medium. And I, you know, I love a collaboration. And when I'm writing, I'm always thinking about my editor, or if I'm writing, I I think about a certain person in mind that I want to crack up or I want to reach. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That, that really helps me because that's always been my frame is working in a group with people as, as a group collaboration. And that it's, it cracks. I love being on set. I got to, um, I got to ghost, uh, uh, what do they call it? Not ghost, shadow. I got to shadow uh-huh. a director for Madam Secretary uh, right before COVID hit. Oh. And um, and it's and me and him had worked together before. And it was just like, it was just so much fun to see him on a major TV show environment. And just, it's just, and, it's- and to see like the conflict because there's constant like conflict amongst the, um, 
the crew mm-hmm. and the, and everything. But it, but most for the most part, it's to build a great story, yeah. and everyone's kind yeah. of fighting for how for their vision on it. And when it works, it works. It's so cool. I, you know, I have many people in community of writers, and I feel like uh, that is something that was unexpected for me. I mean, I didn't I really just didn't know about the writing community. And I have really tight friends in New York uh, who are my writing friends. But then I also have uh, writers in Los Angeles. And I do think there is this spectacularly open. Uh, I, I feel I have benefited so much from a certain openness in the West Coast writing community. And uh, I recently got together with um, Caitlin Flanagan and Sandra Singh Lowe and Megan Dom and I got together for. Oh, Megan's great. I've had, her, I've had her before. Yeah. And it was so wonderful. And then I just did Todd Goldberg out at UC Riverside. He he does these big summits and David Eulin and uh, Janelle Brandon and Mark Haskell Smith. Just, Oh, I adore Mark. I love, I just, you know, I feel so fortunate to be in communities. Yeah. We had such a good time. And I love the, the uh, he, you know, Todd's done this amazing job of get uh, with the curriculum at it, UCR. And I, I'm so happy that they're producing great writers and yeah, yeah. really opened up that part of, uh, you know, part, opened up the, uh, the pool of graduate programs, uh, you know, that good to look for people from. And, and it's, it's just, I have to say, I, you know, it's just been wonderful because I am that person who comes from a tight community, the theater community. And so uh, I have been surprised and delighted to be a part of this, you know, um, because I live in LA, I'm mostly in the, you know, the West coast community. It's yeah. And it's uh, people don't realize how literary Los Angeles is and just what, a, yes, what, a, what a bookish, what a bookish <laughs> city it is. And it's, it, cause it's, you know, it's, I mean, they see Hollywood and they, you know, they, I was talking to one of my neighbors and he said he moved here from Tennessee because he thought LA was going to be like the fast and the furious. And he's very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, why am I talking to you anymore? I mean, he's only 24 years old, but I'm just that's going, so oh. funny. Yeah. yeah, no, it is. I mean, I have a actually a writing collective. We we share an office, and it's mostly people who write books. We we also many of us also work in television and film, but mm. uh, it's people are always stunned on like, oh yes, this book was written here. That you know, Janelle yeah. Brown writes there. Uh, where's, where's uh, that collected? Where, where where in la is that at? uh we are in we're east siders we're in mm. los feliz mm. and uh Jean well if you Yars ever have an opening there. i know a guy who's yeah. looking for an office you do all right <laughs> uh right now we are full up at the end but it's yeah. it's, it's really a fantastic thing to be around uh, other writers and to be in the community. And I look forward to actually getting back in person um, with, as we do that more, I hope we can meet in person too. The um, one of my favorite spots in Los Angeles, and I'm so happy they opened up is that Lupiette kitchen over on uh, it's a little French breakfast joint on Vermont um, in Los Feliz. 
I it's have the, not been there. Oh, it's rad. Wrong with me? Yeah. What? What? You? Yeah. You? Is that? Is that a good place? Okay, I've got to write. It's, that it's down. my little. It's my. It's my little. Uh, it's my little gift to myself. I try to do at least once a week where I go uh-huh. hang out there. I can never write there. I, I enjoy writing at cafes, but not cool cafes. No, if you it's can't. Too do cool. That. Yes. Then I'm just looking around. I, I, I'm not really a cafe writer. Yeah. I'm a sometimes cafe editor. Uh, but I'm, you know, I was when I was younger, but now I, I, I really, I need, I only handwrite. I never bring a computer to cafe. I'm, I handwrite when I'm doing first drafts or I'm redlining. So I, I can't be a, I, 20 years ago when I was in San Francisco and they started putting internet cafes in and Uh I I was was just like, don't do this. You're going to ruin everything. And they're like, Tony, we're getting up with the times. And I'm still that cantankerous. No, I can't. I can't be that guy that brings a computer to a cafe. I I am sometimes that person if I'm traveling, but Mm. at home, I I like to have. Well, you got it when you're traveling. Yes. I have papers around me and just a lot of detritus and, and books and blah, blah, and research. Stuff. It's, I'm a very, my desk is just a nightmare. It's, it's everyone's nightmare of organization. Yeah. No, people look at my desk and they're just like, how do you get anything done? And I'm like, I know. I know where everything is. I do too. I <laughs> do too. Looks like a looks like a vomit launch of paper, but I know where all the projects are. So it it gets out of hand sometimes. sometimes yeah, it goes over the edge. Well, Annabelle, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Tony. Quitte avec la levée du jour Et qui me laisse dans l'espoir d'un retour Pourquoi ne pas faire durer ce matin Jusqu'à demain Je t'offrirai Des croissants de soleil pour déjeuner À la saveur de miel et de rosé Sur un plateau de trail d'oreiller Qui fait rêver J'inventerai Des recettes de bonheur à volonté Sur une musique venue d'un ciel de mai Que tu ne voudras plus jamais quitter Je t'en 
Annabelle Gurich on Drinks with Tony. Check out her book, You're Leaving When? Adventures in a Downward Mobility. Next week on the show, we have Bruce Ferber. He's the author of I Buried Paul. Keep reading, support your local library, and enjoy your first weekend of August. I'll see you next week.
You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Check right. 